Welcome to Wholehearted, a show to help you heal through heartbreak, build a more secure sense of self, and intimately connect with your partner. Whether you're single, in a relationship, or heartbroken, there is space for you here. I'm your host, Shannon Riley. Let's get into today's episode. Hey, what's up? Hello, party people. Episode 94. Can you believe that we are here? I know that I kind of can because it's been a hot minute doing this podcast, I think well over a year, probably two. Wow, that's crazy. But anyway, episode 94, I'm happy that you are here with me. And this might be a little bit of a blunt and brutal episode for you. And if that's the case, that's okay. I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that we are taking ownership and knowledge is power when it comes to red flags because today's episode is all about calling out your red flags. Obviously, a lot of people online talk all day about what are the red flags in other people and it's pretty damn difficult to look in the mirror and identify your own red flags. So I'm going to try to help you do that today. I probably will have a little bit of a tough love type of tone. And if you are not in a space to receive that, I wouldn't listen to this episode. It's not going to serve you or listen to it and get triggered and look in the mirror and own that. So either way, it's up to you. You're you're an adult. You're a big girl or big boy or big person and you can figure it out. I trust you in that. So really the first red flag is thinking that you don't have any red flags because if you think you are a walking green flag you are just straight up delusional because we all have our shit some areas are going to be bigger than others or some red flags are going to be bigger than others like some are going to be little toothpicks with a little pink little rinky dinky almost like a splenda packet or a sweet and low i guess is a pink one where other ones are going to be like blood red and the size of like a car dealership flag post in the American flags that they have, which are like the size I think one on a football field would be. You know what I mean? So there's going to be very varying shapes and sizes of red flags within all of us. And that is okay. Either way, ownership is power. I know that we say all day long, knowledge is power, but you can know these things about yourself and still deny them and repress them. That's what a lot of us do. So it's not really knowledge. It's knowledge and then owning it is going to empower you to do something about it. So this is probably going to be a quicker episode today because I'm just going to fly right through them and we're just going to let it rip. So the first one is being a control freak. What I specifically mean by this is you need to have your eyes, ears, and hands on everything because you do not believe that other people are as capable as you are. And again, tough love. And that's probably very blunt if that's the case. If you have been around people who are control freaks and they micromanage you, if you're on the receiving end of that, it drives you absolutely crazy because you're just sitting there and you're like, why do you think I'm an idiot? That's how the other person feels. And in terms of romantic relationships, I sure as hell hope that we don't want to make our partners feel stupid. That is definitely a red flag, right? And a lot of these things are completely subconscious to us. And I'll say this again at the end, but none of these are something to be ashamed of or rip yourself to shreds over. It's just, again, something to be aware of and take ownership of so that you don't do this to not only yourself, but to other people. And when it comes to being a control freak, it reflects a deeper rooted issue with trust and 
that's certainly something for you to dig into and heal so that you can stop micromanaging these people around you. And going further off of this, you may be attracting people who are projects to you as partners because they quote unquote need you. They need you to be in the controller seat because they cannot be that for themselves. And that is a whole other plethora of a pattern for you of why do you feel like you need to either mother or father or be the guardian of your partner and control them in that way and fix them. It gives you a sense of purpose. It gives you a sense of certainty. It gives you a sense of fulfillment. And that in the long run, at least in my opinion, isn't necessarily what a healthy romantic relationship in terms of satisfaction should be rooted in. It shouldn't be that you only love your relationship because it makes you feel like a good human being. That's That ain't it, I hope. And if it is, I would argue that's a red flag. So that would be the first one, right? Being a, a control freak, it makes you feel important. And my last question here with this one is, why do you not feel valuable without being in control? Why can't you be passive? Why can't you let things go with the flow? And where did you learn that? And for a lot of us, it would be like a trauma response or a survival mechanism or a coping skill, right? Of like, you know, when I was a kid, if I wasn't in control, all this bad shit would happen. So now I have to be in control. And that makes logical sense. Like, I I agree with you. However, is that still serving you now 25 years later? Maybe in some cases, but most likely not all the time nothing is 100%, right? So I would argue that if you're like, well, it is helping. That's another way that you're being in control is fighting back on it. So that's the first red flag, being a control freak. The next one is being really fast to put labels on shit or having like a tendency to enmesh with people or being codependent. And this is usually just driven by a fear of abandonment or a fear of being alone or being lonely, which is usually rooted in a low self-esteem, which leaves you constantly seeking validation or approval from other people. And that begs the question of why do you feel the need to define the relationship? Why can't it just be what it is, which maybe it's just we text sometimes or maybe it's just, yeah, we live together. Like what, whatever work, whatever floats your boat, but sometimes we're so fast to put a label on things. Oh, we're talking. What the fuck does that mean? Like why is talking a stage now? I hate that about our society and dating. It's like, oh, we're talking, like, wow, good for us. We communicate. That makes no sense, but that's a side rant. But anyway, if you have this, I would urge you to ask yourself, why do you feel the need to quote unquote be with somebody else? Why aren't you just enough on your own? Why do you need to be with somebody? And who taught you that? Or where did you learn that? Or when did you learn that? Or what evidence in your life has made that true for you? And is that evidence actually true? Or are you making like a leap or a reach in that way. The next red flag is being self-centered. So we go from kind of being like fast to put a label on it because of low self-esteem to being very self-centered, which could be the opposite end of that spectrum. And this is really what I'm referring to here is like you need to have the attention on you to feel valuable or even just like feel alive. And sometimes that leads us to only focus on our own needs being met and you don't go out of your way to consider other people's needs and wants and desires and even just things that would be nice to do for them, right? 
So my question here would be when and why did you learn that you needed to focus on yourself to survive and how does it emotionally serve you now and long term? Is that something that you really want within your romantic relationships? Would you want to be with somebody romantically who is self-centered? Now I could probably get into like narcissism here, but honestly, I I don't feel I know enough on narcissism to speak on it, but I would say that would be the extreme case here uh, going off of self-centered. Now, number four is having really unrealistic standards. This is what, or what I mean by this is when you expect way too much of other people. And sometimes this leads you to idolize the quote unquote, the one as a way to push people away and keep yourself isolated. It's typically a subconscious sign of avoidant attachment style. You make the barrier to for entry in terms of romance and love and intimacy like so unbelievably high so that it's impossible for anybody to meet those standards because how could they and as a result you justify your own belief that like love is too much or it's hard work or it's stupid or it's not worth it or whatever it may be and so you just keep yourself on your own right which is avoidant attachment style 101 and it basically is just that no one is ever going to be good enough for you and you know you'll stay alone forever as long as you believe that so that would be another red flag is having really high unrealistic standards the next one is a lack of conflict or resolution skills this is Honestly, I would argue a lot of us have this red flag um, and it's simply because a lot of us didn't have good role models for it, right? We probably just never learned how to productively engage in conflict, right? And instead, we witnessed our parents or our guardians or people on TV or teachers or our friends or whoever, siblings, whatever and whoever, we would see them going tit for tat. Oh, you did this, so I'm going to do this. You you went low, I'm going to go lower, right? Or another example would be the silent treatment. It just you know someone does something to piss you off you just shut up and I I'm totally I'm victim to this one like I absolutely do this and for me I justify it in my mind as like I'm literally going to explode on you and I'm going to let my Irish temper go haywire and it's not going to be good for either of us so I'm just going to shut up and you might be like yeah I agree with that like don't you know, don't explode on somebody, which is another thing. That's the next one I had on my list was exploding, right? Is a way that we don't engage in healthy conflict. However, the silent treatment, you can take your space, which is essentially what we're trying to do with the silent treatment, but you can say something before that, right? Like, hey, right now I'm feeling extremely like activated or however you want agitated hot like what however you want to say it and you could say something along so like I'm feeling very activated right now and if we continue to have this conversation I'm going to say something that I regret so for the sake of myself and our relationship and you um let's just take a breather I'm going to go on a walk for five minutes and then I will be back and we will have this conversation boom then you have your five minutes of silence to go think cool down whatever you need to do but a lot of us we don't say that before giving the silent treatment we just give the cold shoulder and then we expect the other person to come running over and say I'm so sorry and blah 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 and sometimes if if you're lucky you'll have somebody who does that I have been in a relationship with somebody who was great at apologizing and I did not realize how much I valued that until we were out of the relationship and I didn't have somebody who did that however what's important is to recognize that not everybody is going to run over to you and make you feel better when you are 
giving them the silent treatment. Like it's just, it's not going to happen and you need to learn how to speak up for yourself and be like, hey, I need a minute and then take your silence, right? And the next one is exploding, the opposite end of that, just like letting it absolutely rip, which is definitely a defense mechanism, right? Like we are using our words and our volume and whatever else and even our body language to make ourselves feel in be seen or be perceived as big and bad so that we kind of tell people to back off, right? Like, don't mess with me. And in my opinion, as somebody who has formally exploded plenty of times, um, I've never had an explosion that I have not regretted. I've always regretted all of them. I've always said something completely irrational or wildly below the belt that as it is coming off of my tongue, I am regretting it as I say it. But I just have no control over my temper in that moment because I didn't say, hey, this is going too far. Like, I'm I'm going to explode. This is not good. Like, I need to take a minute, you know? And so when we explode on people, it's not a sign that, you know, we're big and bad and don't mess with me. It's a sign that we can't control ourselves. And sometimes control freaks do this, right? And then really we're exploding. And as a piece of that explosion, we are like exploding on ourselves at the same time because we know that we're going to regret it. Hopefully if you have a conscious, right? Another thing that we do as like a lack of conflict or resolution skills is like avoidance or nubbing out. What I mean specifically is like instead of having a difficult conversation with your partner, maybe you're feeling resentful or maybe you want to break up with them. Instead of having that conversation, you scroll on your phone or you go to the bar and you get drunk or you smoke pot all the time or you you shop all the time or you go to work and you just become a workaholic and you just avoid the conversation literally for days, weeks, months, years, and then you explode or you give the silent treatment or you run away or you do whatever else you're going to be doing. But avoidance or numbing out is certainly something that we do when we don't have healthy conflict skills. Another one is obviously just gaslighting people, right? Like that's, I feel like I don't even really need to explain this, but instead of just recognizing that, hey, maybe I pissed them off, you're just going to try to like find a little loophole to make them be the problem and make them be the reason that they are mad when it takes two to tango. Yes, they decided to be angry, but you may have done something that contributed to that. And gaslighting is when we just avoid ownership at all costs, right? We just throw it on the other person. And then lastly, it would be defensiveness right? Like just another way that we put ourselves on this pedestal of being like big and bad, don't mess with me, while also putting our partner down in a way that is certainly unhealthy long-term, right? And defensiveness is just a sign of a lack of security, a lack of confidence within yourself, in my opinion. So my last question when it comes to that lack of conflict or resolution skills are, are you willing to be vulnerable and learn how to productively conflict with somebody? Because it is certainly a skill. And we have an entire episode on that on here. It's episode 87. So if you need more on that, go listen to it. The next red flag is that you just keep repeating the same damn shit. You are just unaware of your patterns or you're aware of them and you don't care and you're just letting them run on repeat. And I don't really have a last question with this, but I do want to say that you need to wake up and look in the mirror and just be honest with yourself. Now, a lot of us are very unaware of these things and it's difficult to change something that you are unaware of, right? All change starts with awareness. So if that is the case for you, I believe I talked about this on last week's episode, but you need to make a love life timeline. This is something that we do in my course, which I'm going to be talking about at the end of the episode. 
but it's when you take all of your relationships and you put them into columns and then each row is going to be a different question. And these questions are going to help you reveal your patterns because you're literally creating a grid of all of your relationships and how they played out in certain areas rather than just being like, oh, well, this is the story about Tommy and this is the story about Billy and this is the story about Sasha. It's like, no, these are the specific areas of the relationship and then you see them horizontally on a line and you just, I mean, if you avoid your patterns when you're looking at that, then you are really in avoidance and that's, you need to work on that before you work on your patterns, right? That would be a pattern for you. So when you make this love life timeline, it makes you unbelievably aware of what your patterns are so that then you can do something about it. That is the power of awareness and of ownership. The next red flag is just that you thrive on chaos. You will create drama just to stay entertained and stay interested. Sometimes this can result from coming from like a tumultuous home growing up. Like if you have parents who were constantly fighting or witnessed domestic violence or emotional abuse or whatever that may be, and there was really high highs and then there was really low lows, you associated that to, or you define love as that, right? Because that's all that you witnessed growing up and who could blame you? If that's all that you saw, how would you know anything different? And yes, you could logically know something different, but on a nervous system level, your body doesn't know anything different. And we try to recreate the past kind of as two different things. The first thing is we try to recreate it because it's what we know. It's the path of least resistance because it's familiar to us. But it's also an even deeper rooted subconscious mechanism of us trying to correct the past because we intuitively know, hey, that's not really what love is. So let me recreate it so I can change the narrative. I can rewrite the script and I can do better. And then I will create a better life for myself. I'll break the cycle. I will be the cycle breaker, right? So it's kind of that double-edged sword of like, yes, it's what's familiar to you, but it's also your subconscious being like, hey, like level up, let's go, let's change the narrative. You can do this. If someone's going to do it, it's got to be you, right? So if you are somebody who thrives on chaos, I would encourage you to dig into why you need that turmoil to feel alive and recognize that this is so likely to land you in really toxic relationships or situationships with high highs and low lows. And that's not what you want long-term to be fulfilled, I hope. The next red flag is that you cannot let shit go. You are holding onto the past as ammunition. My question here for you is what about holding onto the past feels safer than just moving on? And it usually comes down to a part of you needs that piece of the past to stay alive, right? So then I would ask, what part of you needs that past to complete its identity? What makes it true for that piece of you, right? So let's say your partner cheated on you. You decided to stay together because you have 10 kids together. You've been married for 70 million years, right? And you're like, we're not ending it, even though I'm pissed at you for a one night stand when you were hammered or whatever it might be, right? Like whatever. And because of that, now, whenever you're in a conflict, let's say you asked him to make sure he brought ketchup home from the store and he didn't. Now you're bullshit. Somehow cheating gets brought up. When we were talking about ketchup, like it has nothing to do with cheating, but we bring it up because it's ammunition. So what part of you needs that, needs the ketchup or needs the cheating to justify the ketchup, right? So you need to sit with yourself and ask like, why are you not willing to let that go? And it also comes down to like, do you have conflict skills? Because maybe all you know is 
utilize the past to justify the present moment. And when you have these gigantic emotions of feeling resentful and pissed off and feeling left behind and feeling neglected, right? Like, oh, he forgot the damn ketchup again. He doesn't give a shit about me. And clearly he doesn't give a shit about me. He didn't give a shit about me when he cheated. It's like, that's, that's the connection. It's that you don't feel like you are cared for. So have a conversation about that when you are coming from a grounded state of awareness rather than exploding over ketchup because it's not about the damn ketchup. It's not about the pasta from Vanderpump Rules. I hope that you get that. Anyway, so if you cannot let shit go, you need to ask yourself why. What is making you feel safe about holding on to that and how can you let it go? And then the last red flag that I think that we should all consider within ourselves is jealousy. This is when we feel that our relationship is threatened by another person or a group or thing or even an idea. And really what I mean by threat is that we are scared that we're going to lose our partner's attention or affection or love. And when we acknowledge that we're jealous, we are vulnerably exposing ourselves to a plethora of other emotions and experiences. Obviously, we're exposing ourselves to love, to comparison, to competition, to desire, but it also brings on a lot of these other feelings or urges like self-doubt or feeling humiliated or feeling the need to be in control or grief or competition or excitement or vengeance or even violence, right? So there are so many things that come alongside of jealousy. And sometimes we do this because it's just our pattern. When we have these big emotions, we don't know what to do with it. So instead we become jealous because that's all that we know. And it's the path of least resistance because it's familiar to us. And maybe it's all that we witnessed growing up. So if that's the case, that's okay. However, are you willing to change the script? Are you willing to do something different and acknowledge this emotion that comes up with you and then do something about it? And again, be the cycle breaker. And if jealousy is something that you really struggle with, I encourage you to listen to episode 86 because it is all about jealousy. Now, to wrap up this episode, I want to say again, as I said in the beginning, none of these are things to be ashamed of. I would argue that they're all signals for you to just lean into and learn from. It's like Dr. Payne, right? When you when your back hurts, don't avoid it. Don't not think about it. Don't just be like, oh, whatever. Like, no, listen to it. Be like, okay, what have I done recently that could be causing my back to hurt? Is this from my muscles or is this from my nervous system? Am I inflamed? What have I been eating? Have I been over drinking caffeine, which is causing me to be in adrenal fatigue? Am I on hormonal birth control? Does this sound familiar? Because it sounds like me, because it is me. <laughs> These are all the questions that I have to ask myself. When I wake up at four in the morning, my back is super tight. There are many different things that can to my back pain, clearly. So anyway, none of these are to be ashamed of. They are just signs for you to kind of dig into and explore a little bit. I want you to ask yourself where these things originated, how they're serving you mentally and emotionally, and how you would like for them to change. Like in an ideal world, put all your bullshit aside. How would you like things to be different? And then how can you realistically accomplish that? How can you make a plan to go from point A to point Z? Now, if you are like, uh, yeah, that's great, but I have no idea how the hell to get from A to Z, I want you to stay tuned this month. I'm finally, finally, drum roll, going to be dropping my online course. This is going to be called Wholehearted and also the name of the show. So it's easy for you to remember, but it is a four month course that is going to help you process and let go of the past while also providing you with the essential tools to master the skill because it is a skill of 
practicing because it is a practice love master the skill of practicing love so that you can move on and cultivate the healthy relationship of your dreams the golden retriever type of love rather than the black cat love where it's up and down right when push people aside and all the things so whether you are freshly heartbroken single and mingling or in a relationship and wanted to improve this course is something that can help you just fill in the gaps in terms of your relational skills while also deepening your sense of self and podcast listeners are going to be offered a discount so stay tuned for that. That will be happening in the end of January. But that is all that I got for today. I hope that you learned something about yourself and take a minute to go look in the mirror and just be real and honest with yourself and take ownership. All change starts with awareness, then it starts with ownership, and then it starts with what am I going to do about it? Because at the end of the day, no one's going to do this shit for you. You have to do it for yourself. So with that being said, I love you so much. If you know somebody who is a walking red flag, maybe just like send them, maybe don't send them this episode that might be a little direct or do that. I love that for you. If you are just a direct queen and you're just like, hey bitch, like you need this. <laughs> I, I love that. And I appreciate the bluntness of your friendship. That is super valuable. Or you can also just send them just the podcast as a whole. Be like, hey, I just found this podcast. It's called Wholehearted. You should listen to it. And then what do people do? They usually listen to the most recent episode. So anyway, I would love for you to share the episode with somebody so that the show grows on its own. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps me so much. And share it to your Instagram story and tag me at shan.riley, R-I-L-E-Y-Y-Y. And that's all that I got for today. I hope that you enjoyed and I will see y'all same place, same time next week here on the podcast.